The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. Learn the language of spirit. This is The Intuitive Life with Laura Wooster. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Wooster, and welcome to The Intuitive Life, where we walk together and support each other on the path to becoming more spiritually aware, enlightened, and inspired. And today is one of the most popular guests I have. I have her on here once a month, and hence, not a lot of you are very familiar, and hence is um, a master tarot reader. She's been reading cards for decades at this point. Has, has it been 30 years yet? Oh, well over. <laughs> easily. easily <laughs> we'll, just, we'll call it a nice round 30, but yeah, it's, it's over 30. Wonderful. And she is the person I always go to with any questions about the tarot. Uh, she knows so much and I'm just like barely scratching the surface with, I've been using a you know, tarot for like 10 years and I, I just feel like a baby <laughs> compared to the knowledge that that Anne has about the tarot and I'm always learning something new so um, as always we begin the hour with and you pull cards for everybody who's listening yes I did okay. and um and then we also have a, a tarot tip wonderful but we start with the two cards I pull two cards and you know it's for the coming month for the coming um several weeks uh, and it is appropriate not only for the people who are listening live with us, uh, and thank you for joining us, but also for anyone who will listen um, to the archive show. I do like to use different decks. Um, I want to encourage you to not just stick with one deck that you feel safe and comfortable with. Once you're comfortable with one deck, branch out, get another one, different different imagery, um, different themes. It expands your tarot foundation. Um, okay, so today's cards can be seen on my Instagram at Anne Hence Tarot and my Facebook, Anne Hence Connect with Spirit, all one word. Um, I actually posted four cards this time, but I only drew two. The cards that I drew are from the Essential Tarot by Pablo Mont. Essential is a really good name for this deck because the imagery is very, very simple and clean. It really could be considered a pip deck since there are no people and no scenes. All the cards contain light gray window shapes, like a, an arched window with various colored backgrounds that you're looking at through the window. And the swords, wands, cups, and pentacles all appear kind of within the windows. And it's cool. The interesting thing that Mont has done is leave the suit icons, you know, the swords or the cups, in the same position as they are on the Wade Smith cards. So if you're familiar with Wade Smith, it'll be easier to transfer to Essential Tarot. So on my Facebook and on my Instagram pages, I have the two cards from the Essential Tarot, and then below them, I put the two cards from the Waitsmith deck 
so that you can see that all of the cups and all of the swords are in the same positions. It's just no people, no scenes, just a window. Um, I really like this deck. I, it's, it has a clean look and I love the simplicity of the spreads when I use this. It just feels very light and airy. So what are these cards? Okay, the first card was the Eight of Cups. The Eight of Cups is a card of walking away, usually from something that has served us at one time, but no longer does. If you're looking at the uh, cards that I posted, you can see that the cups are all upright and neatly stacked in, in both of the decks. Um, and in the Waitsmith, the person is walking away from them. Five of Swords, it's a card of conflict. It's about winning at all cost. There's a, a real mean-spiritedness to this card. Um, so what do these cards mean for you over the next few weeks? All right, well, we have a card of walking away and a card of conflict. They're suggesting that when you find yourself in a situation where there are bitter words, strife, dissension, maybe it would be best to just walk away. Food for thought there. Usually when we get drawn into conflict, it's because our ego is responding um, to the stimulus. Uh, if we can keep our ego in check and realize that it doesn't matter, we don't have to prove anything, we can walk away. So much easier. Okay. So those are our cards for the next many weeks. Good advice. Yeah, I'm gonna try and remember that myself. Okay, so the tarot tip. This is kind of cool. Um, it allows you to get a special message from the card. I call it uh, step into the card or enter the scene. Um, it'll give you a special message from the card and the message will go beyond the standard meaning of the card and it will be specific for you at that moment. It's not gonna change the meaning of the card, but it will be a specific message for you at that moment. Um, so, oh yeah, and as a reminder, this technique really needs to be done with a deck that has imagery on all the cards. So you would not do this technique with the essential tarot. What we do is first you set your intention to get a special message draw a card randomly from the deck, turn it over and look closely at the imagery without trying to interpret it. No interpretation here, just look at the imagery. Notice all the details. Look at the sky, look at the animals, look at the trees, look at all of the details, the clothing. The details on the clothing. So notice the details. Once you feel you have a pretty good idea of what is in that scene, close your eyes and mentally walk into that scene. Look around, you're in the card now, see it three-dimensionally. Walk around until something catches your attention. Then walk up to that person, animal or item in the scene and ask, what is the message? What message does it have for you? And this is critical. Don't overthink it. The message is what comes immediately to mind. That's it. 
Now, that's your spe special message for this moment in time. It's not going to change how you interpret the card in the future. It's a special message in the moment. As an example, the Knight of Swords in the White Smith deck, um, the knight is racing on a horse full speed. The card is usually about fast, reckless actions. But we're not interpreting that card. We're simply walking into the scene. You might find yourself asking the butterfly on the horse's harness for a message. That message might be that it's time to come out of your cocoon. Or there's a little bird there. You might be attracted to the little bird and ask the little bird for a message. Maybe that message will be that it's time to try out your wings. Both of these messages are very different from the standard interpretation, and they're not meant to modify how you interpret the Knight of Swords. They're only a special message for you at that moment in time. It can be really quite interesting to see what you come up with. Um, and if you do it regularly, I think you'll find that your relationship with the cards will grow stronger and stronger. I recommend it. I love that. That's an awesome exercise. <laughs> so, and and for people who have like a very creative mind or very visual mind, um, that is like that's that's actually really powerful to be mm -hmm. able to walk into the card into the imagery, and but occasionally, and I always find, and and maybe I'm sure you found this in your um, classes too, Anne. Anytime I'm teaching any kind of intuitive development or mediumship development, there seems to be like one out of 10 people say, they they say, I can't visualize anything or they, 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 they're just not clairvoyant. They're just not, they just, for whatever reason, they can't visualize something. Have you ever had anybody say that in your classes? Not as much about visualization as fears that they can't do something, won't be able to. Mm -hmm. to read but you know to address that particular um, concern if someone feels like they can't visualize um, then do this exercise without closing your eyes mm -hmm. just look at the card with a very I'll call it a relaxed brain um, squint maybe a little bit mm -hmm. um, and walk into the card while you're still looking at it so that you don't have to visualize anything you don't have to remember the details the card's right there in front of you we're not interpreting it. We're just going to move into the card and you know, keep your eyes open and do the exercise. Ah, good advice. Yeah, because it's it's so funny because it just there's some people who just can't and they just and I'll ask them um, and this would obviously apply to this you know using the cards as well. It's like rather than visualizing or seeing something in your mind, say maybe there's a knowing or a clear cognizance about what you're what you're seeing in the cards or what you're feeling in the cards rather than actually seeing it. Sure. So, yeah. So I guess if anybody's listening they, and they feel like they just can't visualize, like the, the people that say it the most are like when they, for example, if they're uh, being led on a guided meditation and they, you know, you walk into uh, through the forest or on the beach, anybody's listened to a guided meditation, you've heard some version of that and they just can't visualize what the person is leading them through. So I said, but Kate, but do you know, like you just, do you know that you're on the beach? Do you know that you're standing where the person that's leading you on the guided meditation can, I mean, do you feel like you're there though, but you just can't see it? And oftentimes they'll say yes. So it's more like a claircognizance. So, so if anybody who's listening, who 
who thinks that they can't visualize and to imagine themselves within the card, what is maybe there's a knowing of what the butterfly is saying to you or what the message is that that's being portrayed in the card. So it um so don't feel like you can't use this exercise if for some reason you don't feel like you're a visual person. So and, and I imagine for someone who's uh, using tarot cards and they're not a visual person, it might they might find that challenging. But there's other ways. There's always a way. We do have a tarot question. Julie asks, what is the best way to learn how to use tarot cards? Oh, well, you could take my classes. That would be fun. I was just going to say that. <laughs> and they're wonderful classes. <laughs> but taking classes aside, um, pull a card a day. Um, and if you would simply, either the night before or in the morning, before you start your day, shuffle the deck and ask for a card that will have significance for you that day. No real question, just a card that will have meaning for me today. Um, and then shuffle the deck. I like to fan it out, pull a card, look at the card, have your tarot book handy, um, read what it has to say in the book. Uh, and in my classes, I, I give out a, a reference sheet so you're not reading too many words. You can go right to the card and you'll get a few um, keywords. Um, but look at the card, read what the book has to say, and then put the card, um, lean it against something so that as you go throughout your day, you'll be able to see it. Or if you have to go off to work and you're not going to put your tarot card up at work, um, stand it up, you know, on the, your bedroom or your bathroom or the kitchen where you'll see it at the end of the day. And then say, oh, yeah, my card was whatever, Empress. How did the Empress caring and nurturing come into play today? And if you need to, you can look at your book again to, to remind yourself of what the Empress is all about. And then just think about your day and how the Empress may have come into play in small ways and sometimes in big ways. That will be a, a good way to start. I know that when I first started trying to read tarot cards, I, I wanted to know every, everything about all the cards really quickly, right? Because <laughs> it's of like, course. you've got like 70 something cards. And you're like, I want to know, like, as soon as I pick a card, I want to know what this means. But it, it is, it's it's very much like a relationship, right? And getting getting to know somebody, it's, you don't know them overnight. You, you, you learn them through small interactions and different interactions, using them in different ways. And um, not people, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. having interactions yeah. with people, and then there are so ways. many layers. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Layer, like just when you get to know somebody, there's different layers to people, right? And yep. and how you know and how they um, respond in different situations, and and so it's very. It really is like having a relationship with a person, and it, it gradually unfolds, and the connection with the cards get deeper, and the meaning of the cards get deeper and more nuanced, and and um, so kind of think of it as like an adventure, and. Uh, and a cool relationship that you just want to know everything about this person. Think of the cards as a person and a personality. And uh, I found once I started thinking of it that way, it was like, oh, this is kind of fun. <laughs> Impatience is like, it I was just going to say, be patient with yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Very good. So hopefully that, um, that helps Julie. And Judy asked a question. I have some relatives come to me in dreams. Are they dreams or messages from those who passed over? So Judy, there's a couple of different types of dreams when people come into, into our dreams. Um, typically like a dream visit or a message visit, um, those dreams tip mostly, most of the time, they're very short and very vivid. And 
it's almost like you're aware that you're dreaming and you go, I can't believe you're here. You're dead. <laughs> how, how can you possibly be here in my dream? And it's, it's, they may not say very much at all. They may say a couple of things or they may not actually speak to you. You might hear them in your mind in the dream. Sometimes they'll say something that you would think that if they had the opportunity to say something to you would be something a little bit more profound. But a lot of times it's, it's evidence that shows that they're still around and they see you. But the main thing that I've noticed about dream visits is they're very vivid and it, they tend to stick with you. They don't go away. And most of the time they, they are health, well, actually all the time, anytime it's a, a dream visit, they're healthy and um, whole, and they may even actually reach out and, and hug you and you'll actually feel feel them hug you too. If they're visiting your dreams and it's kind of negative or, or disturbing, or they, it's very unsettling. Oftentimes that's not a dream visit. That's an aspect of, of your own unconscious, um, trying to bring something through to you in your dreams. And I would consider, okay, what does that person represent to you in your life? Um, rather than if it's actually them visiting you. Um, so there's two distinctly different types of dreams when someone shows up from the spirit world. I would look at, if you're very interested in dreams, I would look up Kevin Tedeschi. Uh, he's got an awesome book called The Best Dream Book Ever. That's the title of the book. And it's wonderful. He'll give examples of dreams and how to interpret them and what people in your dreams mean. Um, typically, they they represent you or an aspect of you. So hopefully that makes sense, Judy. And I'm, I, I know anybody who's ever had a dream visit, they absolutely understand exactly what I'm talking about when I say it's a vivid dream. They they seem happy and whole and healthy. And it's almost, and you almost everybody says something like, I can't believe you're here. I thought you were dead. <laughs> like they actually have a conversation in the dream that way. So it's very distinct. You don't even have to even consider whether it's a dream visit or not. You, you, once you have one, you just know that's at least that's been my experience. And have you ever had a dream visit? Oh, yes. Um, and that has been my experience too. Um, the first one was a short time after my dad passed uh, many years ago. Uh, and he passed at, sadly, a very young 65. Um, but he was ill for quite some time. And he and I were just best buds. And I was at the house where I grew up with him and my mom. And there was a knock on the door and I opened the door and there was my dad, whole and healthy. And I would say maybe in his 30s, looking, just beaming at me. And he just stepped inside the door and embraced me. And I could feel that hug. I was so, so happy. And then he stepped back. And that was it. The dream was over. But the, you know that that was a real visit when you have one. If you have to wonder, then perhaps it wasn't. Same thing with my brother. I had a very similar one where my brother showed up. And you just know, I woke up and I said, wow, Ted was here. Or I was there. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> Somewhere um, in the middle. <laughs> yeah, we, we were together. Yeah. So yeah, you'll know. You'll know. Oh, yeah, you definitely know. It's it, it definitely a distinct feeling. And there's an emotional aspect to it. I think that's what makes it stand out. Yeah, yes. Yes. And, and you, can, you can still, even when you think about it after the fact, you can still feel what you felt in the dream. At mm -hmm. least that, that's my experience. Yes. And what I've yeah. I, I felt my dad again, just telling you about it. And that was years and years ago. Yeah. 30 years ago. 
That's that. That's exactly. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah, because your your heart will feel open, like your heart center will feel open as you speak about it and remembering it, because it's like you you go right back, and and um, the, you know, the dream visits I've had has been several years, and I still feel like I go right back when I talk about it. I had a dream visit from my dog after she after we had to let her go, and um, it was so. And I'll I'll do. I I might have described this on my show before, but I remember. Um, you know, when we had after, a few days after we had, let, had to let her go, I was, I was asleep. I was, I knew I was sleeping and I, it was in the morning and in the, in my dream, I could hear, um, I could hear the, my dog's collar, you know, how like, when they have the tags and everything, I could hear the, the tags jangling on her collar outside my bedroom door. And I remember in the dream, I sat up in my bed and she came running in and she looked like she was when she was like three years old, when she was kind of still coming out of puppy stage, you know, and, you know, fresh coat and still look, looking healthy and vibrant. And she jumped up on the bed like she used to when she was that age. And she had snow like all down her back. And, um, <laughs> and I remember um, like, and I was like, and she was wagging her tail and she was all excited and I was like, oh my gosh, Sydney, you're here. And I was like, you know, grabbing her ears like I usually would. And then I remember seeing my son came to the, the bedroom door and I said, look, look who's here. And I looked up at him and I looked back down and on my bedspread and there was snow on the bedspread, but Sydney was gone. Hmm. Right? And I went and he's like, who, who, what are you talking about? And I said, Sydney, she's right. She was right here. <laughs> it was like, and it was just the coolest thing. And I, I felt her. I literally felt her fur. I felt her energy. I know she was there. And then um, and then my phone rang and I woke up out of the dream. And it was the um the vet, the vet hospital um letting me know that her ashes had been dropped off that morning. They were ready oh, to be wow. picked up. So it was like literally she woke me out of the I got woken out of the dream to that. It was just like she likes it was like she knew I was going to be getting that call. And um it was just the timing was in, impeccable, but it was just amazing. That's so cool. Um, and and also that just reminded me of two amazing pet encounters that I had. I'll be brief, but sure. um you don't necessarily have to see them for it to be a visitation. Mm -hmm. Um we had lost our, our good old dog, Dan, at 16, and he was just the sweetest dog, and he would always sleep. Um, I got stuck in the middle of the bed. <laughs> Carl would be on my right side, and Dan and our little terrier, Kirsty, would be on my pillow and on my by my legs. So I had to get settled quickly, and then that was it. That was my position for the night. Um, and he was gone. I don't know how long he had been, been gone, but... Um, one night, I think I was sort of on the edge of sleep, and I felt Dan jump up onto the bed. I felt the bed move as it would if he jumped up. He was like a 40-pound dog, and I felt him settle down um, next to my leg, and it was so amazing, and it was, it was quite clear to me that Dan had showed up and said, yeah, I'm not through sleeping with you right now. Hmm. so that was that was cool mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to rule out physical manifestations I had a parakeet named Merlin he was my constant companion even when I worked at circles of wisdom he'd come with me in a little cage and he'd sit on my shoulder and we'd interact with the customers and he was just a love a love the love of my life don't tell Carl <laughs> um 
And he had an accident at about six and a half years old and passed from it. Hmm. And it was maybe a week after his passing, maybe less than a week. And I was missing him so badly. It was just, and I was talking to him saying, Merle, I, I, I can't believe that you're gone. I hate that you're gone. I miss you so much. I love you. And, you know, I, could, I was getting emotional and I had tears in my eyes. And, and I glanced down at my desk and I looked. <laughs> there was a fresh parakeet poop on my desk. Uh. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. I mean, it was fresh. It was moist. It was, you know, <laughs> I had cleaned the desk many times. Yeah. There it was. And it was, oh, Merlin. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Oh, that's amazing. Did, did Merlin have a little bit of a sense of humor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else could he, what else could he give me? I, I can, I can do this mom here. Complimentary. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we get messages from um, our loved ones in many different ways. But I think in all cases, if it's a true visitation incident, it'll be clear. Okay, so we have another question about Tarot. Sharon asks, as a beginner, is it best to use tarot or oracle cards or should they be used for different purposes? Good question. Um, they are quite different. Oracle cards can have any number in a deck. Um, they often have keywords on them or a key sentence explaining them. They tend to be fairly light um, in their energy. Uh, tarot cards will have 78 cards or a couple more. Some decks add, but they will have 78 cards. They will be divided into major and minor arcana. A minor arcana will be divided into four suits. Each suit will have ace or zero through 10 and four court cards. So it's a very serious structure. So is it best to use one or the other? Whatever you're drawn to, they can all answer pretty much any question I'll, I'll, I'll say. Um, I don't work with Oracle decks as much as tarot. Um, but whatever you're drawn to, I would say if you work with Oracle cards, it's not necessarily going to ease you into learning the tarot. If you really would like to learn the tarot, I would just start learning the tarot. A nice practice is to learn to use tarot cards and do your readings with tarot cards and then take an oracle deck and say, and now how about um, a guidance card or three guidance cards or three messages and use the oracle cards for that. Hmm. So really, whatever you're drawn to. Yeah. I don't think there's a right or wrong, really. It's yeah. like, yeah, whatever you, I think intuit, our intuition tells us which deck is best for us a lot yeah. of times. It just, it's, I know that when um, I tried, I mean, I know we have, a lot of times you have to start with the traditional right awake wait deck because a lot of books are based on that and a lot of classes are based on that. So it's really important to at least become familiar with the right awake. Um, But I, when I really, you know, there's just some other decks that I just, I felt like my intuition kind of, came alive when I started looking at different decks. Mm. And, and so I was drawn to different ones other than the absolute traditional right and weight, but it is a good, a good place to begin. It yeah. is. It really is a good one to begin with because it's considered the modern standard. Yeah. And then all of the other decks that are sort of clone decks 
they started with that imagery and then changed it up. So I don't use it myself anymore, but I teach from it because I think it's the best one to teach from, to learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes it easier. And um, I know that when I first started using cards, I didn't go to, to row in the very beginning. Um, I did use so the light and fluffy angel cards. <laughs> Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with them, but it, it just get, it made me more comfortable just to be able to, I know just, I got me, I'm a thinker. I'm a, I'm very logical a lot of times, although I'm very intuitive, but I just found it, it let me sort of let go of thinking too much when, by using cards. It, yeah, whatever you feel comfortable with. Okay. But yeah, don't be afraid of using the rider weight though, because you'll learn a lot if you do. And I would actually call it the radiant weight because the rider weight was the first one published in uh, 1909. And it's not attractive really. Yeah. Um, the colors are very blocky and the radiant weight is one of the newer versions of it. And it's the same imagery, but the colors are much more appealing. Yes, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. They're much more vibrant and, and a little yeah. more positive feeling. <laughs> yeah. Nicer to look at. Yeah. They're nicer to look at. Absolutely. Okay. You're very welcome, Sharon. She said, thank you so much. Alrighty. So, okay. So Athena's asking, I would really love a reading today. I'm, I'm starting to transition in life after the loss of my husband a year ago. Am I on the right path selling my house and getting a rental? All right, Athena. I'm so sorry about your husband. Yeah. Um, and they often say the second year is is harder than the first. And so don't, you know, don't feel like you're doing, you're grieving incorrectly if it feels harder now than it did before, Athena. Let's phrase the question this way. Um, how about what do you need to know about selling your house and getting a rental? So funny, I'm, sh- I'm shuffling my cards. You know what card popped out? What? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just jumped right out and on my desk. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so I pulled four cards and I I put them linearly, which I don't usually do, but it seemed the thing to do. King of Pentacles, Strength, Emperor, Queen of Pentacles. So I think, um, Athena, the cards are suggesting that you are on the right path um, when. I saw the king of pentacles, that sort of felt like your husband. And he in this deck is sitting smiling. This is the light seer deck now, smiling at the strength card, which comes next. Um, And it feels as if from wherever he is now, he is smiling at you and offering you and encouraging you to be strong and do what needs to be done. So if we move from the strength card into the emperor, the emperor now takes control, takes charge. And that's what you're doing now. You're being the emperor in making these decisions, selling your house, getting a rental, um, you know, doing what feels right for you, taking the action. And we end with the queen of pentacles. Queen of Pentacles is a lovely, happy, grounded um, woman, queen, who finds herself in a very comfortable place uh, in life, both physically and uh, energetically. 
And so the fact that we start with the King of Pentacles and end with the Queen of Pentacles, this all for me really ties together beautifully in that it feels like he's still there for you, encouraging you to be strong. And the cards are saying, I think, yes, ultimately you will settle into a very um, comfortable and grounded place in this transition that you're going through. Hopefully that helps, Athena. And I was, you know, I was getting, um, when I was pulling cards as well, um, all I see with, you know, moving the house, it's all about the things that we, that we second guess, right? Um, the momentum there looks really positive as far as, you know, for the, for the reasons for selling the house. Um, but the things that kind of make us pause is what we think about, which is the emotional connection, things like that, letting go, and, and the general things that life, life changes bring to our mind like am I doing the right thing I hope I am you know that kind of thing that's the only thing I'm seeing that's coming up but doesn't it but because just because those thoughts come up doesn't mean that you're making the wrong choice and the second piece about the rental um looks really vibrant actually I don't know why that word keeps coming up here with the rental but for some reason vibrant comes up and that's kind of I'm like maybe there's gonna be maybe it's gonna be a sunny space or maybe it's in a warmer a warmer climate I don't know what this is but I just feel revitalized and vibrant and I also um there's also a sense of having more control over finances and having a clearer picture of finances in a very positive way there as well um so I hope hope I feel very positive about this move, Athena. So I hope that makes sense. And I see that um, Anne sees that as well. Okay, so the next question, we have Julie asking, what do I need to know about my mediumship skills to teach grieving individuals that they can receive messages from their loved ones? Hmm, what do you need to know? We'll say it that way. What do you need to know about your mediumship skills in teaching grieving individuals about receiving their own messages? Okay. All right, let's go with that. Interesting. I've got some interesting cards for you, Julie. Let's see what Anne says. So let me pull one more. <laughs> I'm getting the same same kind of feeling here. <laughs> not, <laughs> well, nothing, I, I, yeah, nothing negative. It's just like it's yeah, it's interesting how it's un yeah. how it's unfolding. Yeah. So I pulled three cards, one on top and I put two on the bottom. Um and the card on the top is the Seven of Cups. And this is generally a card where there is some uncertainty or question about which way to which way to do something or what route to take or which is the best choice, which is the best option, what is realistic, what is not realistic. And so I'm wondering if there's any of that going on in your mind about how to do this. Now, the two cards sitting underneath, um, both are letting go cards. Death card is here, which is about letting go of things that don't serve us and moving on and doing things in a better and different way. And this particular deck, the Pagan Otherworlds deck, has lunar cards. And this is the banishing new moon, which would be, again, a letting go of something um, that you're doing in order to bring in and do it a little differently. So that was when I said, well, that's interesting. I'm not sure that's really helpful, um, except that it's suggesting that maybe there's something new needs to come in into how you do this. So the card that I pulled, sure enough, it's the judgment card. This is a fresh start, rebirth, fresh start. Um, so it may be that there may be a newer, different, um, more useful way 
-hmm. for you to convey this information and do whatever it is that you do and how you do it. Um, so I guess what I would say is, I think that your skills are evolving and it may be time to let go of something that you're doing or some way that you're doing it to allow in a broader, bigger, stronger um, energy mm -hmm. to do the work that you do. That's so wild. I was getting very similar energy around this. Um, I, I see the intentions are good and I see like you kind of see where you want to go with this. Um, but it's, it's the, the feeling I'm getting, this is going to sound kind of odd when I say it, but I have to say it this way. Maybe it'll make sense. Um, anytime I get the feeling that I'm trying to drive a car from the back seat, <laughs> that there's something, it just means that it doesn't mean that you're going in the wrong direction or you have the wrong intentions or you're have the wrong goal. It's how you're going about it, or maybe putting the cart before the horse kind of thing, Right. So there's something here that it's so it could it could indicate that there's more information needed that and like Anne said about maybe building on your skill set and, and the way that she said it. Um, there's something here. Um, if you're meant to do this, it will it will happen. Don't feel like you have to rush the process of getting to that point. Um, kind of, I would just observe where synchronicity takes you, where life takes you, where your skills take you where you're current, what you're currently doing with your skill set, um, see where it takes you, where it leads you, rather than trying to sort of steer it in a certain direction. I'm not saying you go in the wrong direction, but the way that you're doing it, just like Anne said, um, it, it might mean that you're meant to take a different road to the same location, if that makes any sense. Okay. So if you, if you're, if, if it's not super clear about what you're supposed to be doing, or the, like you said, the, and she mentioned the uncertainty, um, that means that generally means there's more information coming and to just allow that information to arrive at, at the right time. And then you'll, you'll be more clear on, on how you're supposed to do that. Hope that makes sense, Julie. <laughs> right. Okay. So she says, so maybe I need to stop being a backseat driver <laughs> <laughs> and let go and let God, yeah, Jesus yeah. take the wheel you know, or, or spirit take the wheel, however you want to say it. Um, I definitely need to have more patience. Yes, this makes so much sense. Wonderful. Great, great. And, and don't, yeah, don't, um, there's a reason. I, I believe when something is planted in, in our hearts and minds, it, it means that you, you're likely going in that direction. But then we, if, especially doers, people who are taskmasters are like, oh, I know where this is going. Tell me what do I need to do <laughs> to make this happen? Sometimes we may intuitively know where we're going, but doesn't mean we have to act on it yet. Okay. So that makes sense. Exactly. She said, okay, great. Wonderful. Okay. Hopefully and I feel like others people listening get what I'm going and there's a message in there for them as well. Karen would like to know if a career change is coming also, will I be moving to another location? Okay. So let's see what Karen needs to know about her career. Is there a change coming? Is there something she needs to look out for? I just feel like, I can't, I don't know if you currently work with people a lot, like face-to-face -face working with people, but that's all over you. A lot of, a lot of working face-to-face -face with people. Does that make sense, Karen? <laughs> as, I, as I kind of tune into what's going on here and I'm shuffling for you. <laughs> Hopefully that makes sense. Well, let's see what Anne has to say about your career and what you need to know about it. Okay. So career change is a career change coming and will I be moving to another location? Um, I think yes and yes. I have three cards for the idea of what are the energies around 
career and a, a possible career change. And the top card is the death card. And this is that letting go of something that used to serve, doesn't serve anymore, moving on to something new that, that is more suited. And sitting underneath it, um, we have that seven of cups, uncertainty, still options being considered, um, you know, which is best, what's real, what's illusion, what's fantasy, what's practical, what's likely. That is energy that is still present for you, but it's sitting right next to um, one of my new job cards. All of the pages for me are new, new something. Page of Cups would suggest a new, since we're talking about a new job, it would um, imply a new job that will bring you joy. So it looks like the energy is still sorting itself out, but these two cards would suggest that there very well may be a career change coming. Um, and as far as the move, I pulled one card and it's the Knight of Wands. Well, knights are about moving. They're on horses. They move and they go. This guy happens to be on a white stag. It's a glorious card. Um, but that would suggest movement to me. So maybe yes and yes. I do feel like a like a sort of a 180 with the, with this work. She did say that she did work with lots of people, but not presently. I just feel you're building on a skill set that you that you used before, but in a very different way. That's what I'm seeing. So career change coming, moving to another location. Um, I'm feeling not yet, but I feel potential of two different locations that you may be looking at. Okay, That's and for me, that the, uh, that was the um, the Knight of Wands. Knights being on horses, horses suggesting movement, and this knight is riding a white stag. But it may makes me feel that at some point a move probably will happen. Awesome. I hope that helps, Karen. Let's see, Athena said, thank you for the reading today. I took Anne's very first class you did with John Holland. It was over the phone. Remember that one like years ago when <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah. psychic tarot oh, yeah. first came out? Yep. I had, it was before we did webinars on the on everything. Um, I had just received his deck for a gift after being on his radio show at the time. That was the start of my journey working with cards. Beautiful, Athena. Wonderful. Thanks. And Julie said... Um, she signed up for Anne's Tarot One and Two workshops. Woohoo! She says, hey. <laughs> "Fantastic! You're gonna Julie. love her classes, Julie. Julie. You're gonna love it." And uh, oh, thank you. She did a beautiful, and she said a beautiful compliment to both of us as well. Thank you so much. Sharon would like to know. I would really like to know if my new business idea is the correct direction for me to take at this time, or should I keep it as an interest or hobby? What do you need to know about your current interest or hobby? and the potential of the business idea direction you have. Do you want to know what she does? And does it help? Oh, I'm just, I'm curious. I'm still getting these cards turned over. What, yeah, what does she do? What, what, what would this be? Transpersonal hypnotherapist. Oh, cool. Yeah. Huh. That does make sense for these cards. It feels like when the time is right, this, um, Maybe a good business move. In the center, we have the Knight of Pentacles. Knight of Pentacles is about taking action on a business, something that would bring in income. Um, and I'm seeing, I have a total of, well, five cards, and then I get a bonus card. Um, to the left of the Knight of Pentacles, I have a card on the top and a card on the bottom. And to the right, of the Knight of Pentacles. I have a card on the top and a card on the bottom. And what's really cool is that 
In both cases, the bottom card is a difficult card and the top card um, moves out of that difficulty. So to the left of the Knight of Pentacles, the bottom card is the Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords is the drama card. It's in our head card. It's the, oh my God, what can I do? And, and it's just that, ah, uh, the card of, of, of mental angst. Ah, oh, but what's above it? Breath of fresh air, the temperance card, which is a card of balance and peace. Likewise, to the right of the Knight of Pentacles, the card on the bottom is the Nine of Swords. This is a card of worry and concern and fretting and etc. But above it, oh, we have the really peaceful card, the Hermit. And the imagery is great. This is the Light Seer deck. Um, so it feels like Spirit is giving us two examples of what Sharon can do with this business, as in moving people from the drama and distress mentally of the Ten and Nine of Swords into the balance of the temperance and the inner seeking of the hermit. Mm -hmm. And then my bonus card, um, it was basically, it wanted to come out. So I said, okay, fine. Um, and it's the, the Knight of Wands. And so in this Lightseer deck, the Knight of Wands is this young woman. She, she, she's banging on one of those drums that you put between your legs. And there's a wonderful horse and there are some flaming torches. And she's just having the time of her life banging. <laughs> so I think this is spirit reminding Sharon to um, when it's time to move forward into this business, do it with gusto, do it with yes. joy, do it with just, you know, wild abandon. Mm -hmm. That'll be the driving force for the business, actually, her, yeah. her enthusiasm for it. And that's exactly what I was receiving about this, too, is there's, there's two different, um, it's not that you can't have a really thriving business and also feel very passionate about it. And, and as I just want to preface that before I say this, but there's there's a potential here that I'm seeing, and, and this ties completely into what Anne was saying, um, that by making this into more of a business, and I'm not saying you can't thrive this way, but then it'll be it, at some point the business becomes the drive for why you're doing it rather than the passion and the reason behind it, and so the, you're kind of on the edge of that right now, and so. I would, I, I'm not saying not to do this and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it or anything like that, but just be mindful of, I would say as, as you make decisions based on, on, on moving forward with the business, making sure that the, the, the financial decisions that you make makes it so that you still have the flexibility to um, not have to take on as much work if you don't want to. And just the work that you want to do rather than the work you have to, if that makes sense. Um, okay, so she said, oh, okay. Oh, she's saying, makes so much sense. My head and heart are in conflict at times. I think I overthink. <laughs> I think I overthink. Worry too much at times about what ifs. Need to listen to my heart and go with what feels right. Yes. You're going to be helping people a lot of visionary things. I don't know how that works. And I'm actually, I'm going to have to Google what transpersonal hypnotherapist is because I have no idea. Um <laughs> But there's something here about guiding people through um, the visioning process in their life. So I don't know if that's something that's part of that or if that's something that will become part of that. Um, and she said, yes, I don't want to lose the love and passion. Yes. So yeah, make the financial decision. So I would say 
for example, um, don't go for the big office um, that you have to make sure you you have to commit X amount of dollars every month and it'll, you'll have to really do a certain number every month and not be able to step back when you feel like you need to step back at times. Okay, it's really important. So kind of balance those two worlds together if you can, All right? Um, but yeah, passion, the passion for your work is very important and it will, it will keep you going. It'll keep you fired up and, and, um, and also to, it'll keep you open to what the next step is with your work, because what you're, where you are right now with your work is just, it's like, I feel like there's still more to grow from there. Um, not that you're not, you're doing, not doing phenomenal with it already, but there's an expansion of it in some way. And um, if you're, if you're really have, if you have to, if you, if you're in a position where you have to focus financially, you're not going to be able to be completely open to, to, to expanding to whatever this other, other aspect is. Alrighty. Very good. Well, this was the quickest hour ever. <laughs> sure so it sure was. It's a great hour. So everybody um, definitely check out Anne. You, if, if you are on Instagram, check her out at Anne Hence Tarot on Instagram. Also Anne Hence Connect with Spirit on Facebook and AnneHence.com, A-N-N-H-E-N-T-Z.com and her classes and her readings and everything. She's phenomenal. Thank you so much, Anne. And um, it's always a pleasure to work with you. Is there anything else you want to share with everybody who's listening? You know, yeah, it's love one another. Yes. The world needs more unconditional love. So yeah. go out there, be a little hippie and love one another. <laughs> we need more hippies. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We really do. Yeah, it's it's definitely needed. <laughs> Wonderful. So thanks, everybody. You can subscribe to the Intuitive Life podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the program, please consider leaving a review so that others may find it and benefit as well. Also, you can stay informed about upcoming podcasts by following me on social media. I'm Intuitive Laura on Instagram and TikTok, and that's Intuitive Laura spelled correctly, no dots, no dashes, no numbers, or simply go to my website and sign up for my email newsletter at lauraworcester.com. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.